Hey, Doug. Hey, Karen. How's it going? It's it's going. It's going. And I mean, we are on what season six. We have now begun season six. Episode one, a brand new day. Yep. Uh, and it is a brand new day. It is a brand new chapter because we've lost approximately 1,200 of last season's cast members. Um, yeah. And we pick up where we left off, essentially. And we haven't picked up a whole lot of new cast members yet, I've noticed. No. For the last two seasons, they really have, like, trimmed the fat down, well, so to speak. Uh, they they the kind hurt. of capped. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not talent-wise, necessarily, but numbers-wise. Yeah, they're, they're closer to, like, having eight or nine leads as opposed to, like, 13 or wherever we've been. Right. So okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of kick this off with the the big question, my big surprise of the episode, and we can kind of probably go through the if you don't mind, I guess we could kind of maybe jump on just do this one first, um, the storyline first, and it's gonna be the Matt storyline. I'm shocked to hear you go there. I was not anticipating what happened in this storyline, and does this mean that Matt is also leaving the block? Yeah. Or does he come back? Matt, Matt has left the block. So, so we lost three of our wow. originals, or like our main people, um, just an episode ago with the finale, the Jake, Allison, yep. Sydney, and yep. now 44 minutes later, we've lost another one of our originals. Um, Matt, Matt does leave. So, spoiler alert, we'll fill you in on his yeah. storyline. But, but yeah, this is Matt's departure episode, and he never comes back. And he never comes back. Why didn't they make him leave? Well, I don't know an answer, but this is what I have thought. Which okay. is, I don't think he... I get the sense that they didn't know that Laura Layton was going to leave until late in the season. And that's why they wrote her off. Like, they built the last storyline in to get rid of her. But I don't think Doug Savant knew or decided he wanted to go too until that summer hiatus. Or maybe even at the very end of the season when Laura Layton had decided, but like they couldn't also write him out early enough. Like I think he just didn't give them enough of a heads up whenever gotcha. he told them to do it before then. I also know that at the end of season six, when that was done airing, it was like Memorial Day of... 1998 he's in that really bad godzilla movie that they did with um matthew broderick and i'm wondering if he was filming by then was like i'm gonna do movies now or i've got this one big movie gig i'm gonna try and and do this and see where that goes uh i'm honestly not sure when they filmed it or maybe he had already filmed it and was like okay i'm already doing movies i want to go it could have been one of those um but i do think that he I do think that the fact that he and Laura Layton both leave at the same time, and at the same time they got married, I think that that was all like somehow connected. Okay, I just thought it was so it was so odd to have a departure on the first episode of the new season. Yeah, it rarely happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was kind of a bit of a shocker. Um, and I guess now we figured out what they're going to do with Chelsea. He is going to raise a teenager. Yeah. I yeah. thought we could have had. Yeah. Such a such a great 90210 over crossover here, but whatever missed opportunities seems to be the name of the game on Melrose It is, Place. and I have to wonder if Katie Wright thought she was going to get her own leading contract role on the show, and then when Doug Savant was gone, that went up. And no, <laughs> I don't there know. goes your job. <laughs> I don't know. I I wonder partly if you no, know, she knew all along that this was limited. Uh, I don't know. I knew. I didn't know until this episode aired that Matt was leaving. But I don't know if that meant it was also a decision made between seasons for him on the show, or that's just when, you know, the press started reporting. And, I mean, I guess at least they didn't do a Joe with him. They did the opposite. They because did. Matt gets a get Matt gets a departing monologue like almost no one has gotten. He's treating, like, it's Gro- Melrose, like it's Grover's Corners. Yeah. <laughs> And we even have a reference to the OG Rhonda. We get I mean, a Rhonda mention, yeah. 
<laughs> which I thought everybody had, you know, I thought everybody's memories were wiped clean of her because, you know, nobody's brought her up since. Yeah, and I mean, there really isn't much to this. Matt offhandedly sort of mentions to Michael, who we'll get to, that that he's interested in a position doing AIDS research in San Francisco. I mean, didn't have to be in San Fran, but whatever. And Michael's able to pull, like, a string, and Matt gets the uh, opening, and he goes in two seconds. So he and Chelsea are going to move on up. I mean, he has this goodbye, like, that he says to Chelsea, or at Chelsea, really, going on and on about, like, I've never lived anywhere like this, and I had all these great memories, and... I'll remember everyone who ever came and went. This is where I really grew up. This scene is so ridiculous. This scene is painting such a different tale of Melrose. If I were Matt, I'd be like, yeah, this is where I got arrested. This is where I got arrested again. This is where I got framed for murder. You know, like, this is where I got sick and almost died. Yeah. And also, side note, uh, we never see his mom again. So the last conversation Matt ever has with his mom is when she kind of outs herself as being more than mildly homophobic and he kicks her out and that's that. So that's too bad too. Yeah, I guess. But I guess, I mean, I guess it feels like he's complete now. He has a surrogate do- daughter. I, I don't know. Like, it's weird. Like, yeah, the, the whole, the, the, it, I kind of feel like Melrose is kind of wiping their brow in relief over this. <laughs> Yeah, because they can connect everyone else in all these storylines. They don't got to worry about, what are we going to do with Matt? Oh, yeah. nothing. Oh, uh, yeah. nothing. And he does. I mean, they don't do him dirty here because, basically, to your point, he he has a family and a career. So they he's got this. He's, nope. They, he's got this daughter, of uh, you know, surrogate daughter, and, and, and seems to be really good at medicine and is going to be helping people. So... He has kind of gotten everything he wanted, as opposed to, say, Allison, who kind of lost everything and had nothing, and Sydney, who got killed. So, yeah. yeah and Matt, and Matt Jane, who went home with the tail between her legs. And, yeah, I mean, I guess I guess Jake worked out. His life kind of they, worked like, out. Yeah, they gave Jake a Insta family. Yeah. Um, we haven't really seen a, a, a happy departure. Well, Joe, they gave Joe a happily ever after. Joe had a, just, didn't yeah, see it. just didn't have a lot of bells and whistles, but in the end, we're supposed to believe that she left for love and, I guess, kept it. Um, and, you know, Kimberly died. So, Kimberly died. so, all things considered, Matt did pretty well. Oh, I forgot about the time the hate crime Matt endured and the time Kimberly tried to kill Matt, too. Yeah. So, yeah, you're Melrose was a really magical place for you. Yes, Matt. Go enjoy San Francisco. Maybe you'll run into the Charmed Witches. <laughs> <laughs> it's a dumb question. Is that where the show took place? San Francisco? Yeah, yeah it was in San Francisco. I never Francisco. knew that. No, yeah. I may have, the few episodes I'd seen, may have been aware of that at the time, but I didn't remember that. Yeah, it takes place in San Francisco. So actually, he could have done a cameo in Charmed. I don't know what they were thinking. Yeah, they should have expanded. And they would have probably now expanded the spelling universe like they do with, say, Shonda Rhimes. Yeah. Okay. So a couple sort of general things about this episode I want to throw out there apart from Matt. Did, Did the writing appear stilted to you? Like, all, like, I really felt like there was this sort of daytime soapy line readings and lines going on that did not sound like Melrose Place to my ear. I mean, are you saying that's more of the writing or more of the acting slash directing? I think it's the I think I think it's the writing and the directing. I think the camera shots felt a little bit more generic daytime soap opera. And I also felt like the writing got very stilted. Well, I mean, I think you're onto something because I generally remember both seasons six and seven kind of being like a Melrose light with where it's like more old school soap, whether that's yes. primetime soap or just earlier nighttime soaps. Um, it's very much like without like this sort of madcap, like crazy energy that yeah. the best of years brought. I think that is probably something you're starting to feel right with this episode. 
Um, yeah, I think there's like, I don't know. In general, I'm not a huge fan of either of these seasons, mostly for that reason. I just think there's not a lot of cool new stuff happening. But there's like, I have one highlight from this episode that I actually enjoyed. But okay. thinking about it, I think that too is more reminiscent of probably daytime drama at its best. I also feel like the show is now going to, like the weight of the show is going to hang on on Thomas Calabro's shoulders. Well, I thought that would be the case. I think he's still kind of ultimately sidelined. Really? Because he's yeah. at this point, this they're they're kind of like well, apart from Amanda, right? Um, mm -hmm. But he's kind he's kind of like I, those two are the ones that I think are are going to have to hold this together. Well, you might think that, but I still think uh, they're going to put a lot of their eggs in the Kyle basket. The Kyle basket, not necessarily the Amanda basket. Oh, no. Definitely still the Amanda basket. I was just thinking of who our leading man pretty much is. And I think I think it's really Kyle through the whole season. And then okay. I think Peter kind of reemerges. And the two of them kind of balance it. And I just think... I can't remember Michael having many uh, A plots for, uh, for the remainder of the show. Okay. And, th and that also brings me to Kyle, because the other thing that I sort of found really interesting is that they are painting him now as the sort of leading man hero. Um, when through this, he was kind of, I mean, first he was like, you know, a cuckold, I guess. But, you know, he also was a cheat. Yeah, I, th he's definitely our leading man, and I think, I think they have him pegged as, like, our hero, but I don't think it stays that way throughout the season. But I do think he remains our, like, flawed hero of sorts throughout the Yeah, throughout nobody ever this. does. I don't mind Rob Estes, so I, like, enjoy it. I mean, look, he's easy on the eyes. You know what I mean? So it's like, okay, I'll watch you. I got no problem with that. Take your shirt off. But they don't take a shirt off in the bed scene with Amanda. There's no shirt off. Um, no, but, and he's often wearing a white beater. Yeah, it's very weird. It's like, mm. what he must have been written in his contract. You can't see my chest, which is like... I always, I always assumed he had a third nipple. <laughs> so I don't, I don't really mind him. And I think that his acting is passable enough. And it's like, I don't even care. He can just move his mouth and I'll just stare. You know, um... But I don't, I don't know. It, I just, anyway, I just thought that it was kind well, of part of the problem in bringing Michael back into like the forefront is that he doesn't have many connections anymore. No, Jane, Sid, doesn't. Kimberly are all gone. Megan looks like she's got one and a half feet out the door. Um, and there are only so many women on the show that are left for him to entangle with. And one of them is his sister. So that's out of the question. So, Part of it is also a numbers game. They've sort of written Michael into a corner. Right. But okay. again, I feel like there are whole chunks of each of the last two seasons that I don't remember. Like, when I think back on season three or four or five, I can pretty much trace, like, what all the storylines were. And I can't quite do that with my memory here, which might have been because now I'm in college watching and I was mm -hmm. less focused. But I think more of it was, like, I was already, like, just uh, disinterested with what they were giving me. Seeing it through to the end, but disinterested. So, like, at the time that... there At this point now, are there are no more Monday Night Melrose bar parties. Like, that that's all done. Or, or is that still going on? I think it might still be going on, and I think it was probably tied with Ally McBeal, which would air after Melrose. I think there were still probably those, like, watch this Fox lineup night, but I don't think it was with the same passion. That you right. found in, like, 94, 95. Gotcha. All right, so where should we start? We've already kind of done I think, that. <laughs> I think we should start in the very beginning, which is also another piece of Matt. And it's Matt driving, uh, speeding with Billy and Chelsea on the way right. to the hospital, which is where we find out exactly what happened after we left off. So it looked like Sydney was dead. But is it possible that Sydney survived? No, Sid is dead. Yes, Sid is dead. A doctor comes out and tells Craig that Sid is dead. And I'm not sure if Craig's reaction to Sid is 10 times worse than when Richard Hart found out his wife died in the bombing, or if it's 12 times worse than when 
Patrick Muldoon played that scene. They're both really bad. Oh, I think, it, yeah. I mean, definitely worse than Patrick Muldoon. Which is a really high bar to I know. surmount. It was actually like, I was like, wow. And it was hard not to laugh. And I didn't want to laugh because I love Sid. And I, I'm mourning her too. But um, yeah, it was really terrible. And they don't do Craig any favors or they don't do David Charvet any favors because they really drag the scene out. Because, of course, what has happened, Billy's girlfriend, Sam, is the one that drove the car that killed Sid. And Billy is actually working for Craig. So, like, not only is Billy, like, sorry to hear about Sid, but he wants to know what the hell is happening with Sam. And, by the way, they cop out with Sam's dad because they just killed Jim off in the crash as well. Right. Which is like, you could have really played this for a better storyline, but no. Um, so yeah, Sid died, Sam lived, Jim died. Uh, so Craig lashes out at Billy, um, and Jennifer is nearby. Uh, and, you know, Craig is like, no one ever cares about Sid. I hope you all rot in hell. Which, the first part is not wrong. They always treated no. Sid. Like, they did like always treat, yeah, they always treated Sid badly. Um, and the other thing I noticed in this scene is that there are, like, random extras that are also at the hospital that look like they are dressed up and were at the wedding. So I'm like, this isn't a free-for-all. You all do not need to drive to, like, it's not like they were being treated because they're not in hospital rooms. They're just sitting in this weird lobby that, uh, I'm like, you don't need to be here. Like, I only need the people that are in the opening credits to be here. Um, so, so yeah. Uh, and, you know, we can sort of follow both Billy and Sam and Craig through this because, you know, they just, they, they're kind of interwoven mm -hmm. um, with the, the backlash of this tragedy. Um, uh, as Billy comes to Sam's hospital room and there's a new cop, a lady cop that I don't think we've seen before, who tells Billy that, like, it looks like Sam's going to be okay. Um, and we're not charging her with anything. But by the way, both of your inaction is ultimately what caused this, which, you know, fair, but, you know, Jim was always going to be a criminal and they couldn't change that. So right. whatever. Probably. Um, you know, and Billy comes to Sam and they embrace and they're boring. And um, we get to Sid's memorial service, which is being held in L.A. And I don't know why, but Billy and Sam come. While the other people like Matt and Chelsea are, you know, like paying their condolences to Craig, you know, Billy and Sam show up. And then she is also to deal with her father's body. Um, and Craig tells them to leave and, you know, how he hates them and they're horrible and it's their fault and don't blame them. Uh, and Craig also says then he's going to take Sid's body to Chicago. And that's when I guess there will be a burial with, with, Jane and the Andrews parents, um, you know, standing by. Right. Um, so meanwhile, Billy and Sam go to the crematorium. If you can call it that, it looks like a real sketchy kind of shack, but um, uh, to witness Jim's cremation, um, which we actually witnessed too, because they do this kind of artsy, not quite successful thing where <laughs> Sam is giving this monologue, but we are watching the the casket be set ablaze. <laughs> so we're not watching her give, we're watching her very like gauzy, hard to make out reflection. Yes. Uh, watch the burning and she talks about, you know, like her memories of Jim and how her best memories are like when he first taught her how to fish when she was eight, but then he poisoned her with his hate and his lies. And it's, uh, really quite remarkably terrible. Yeah, that was another one where I was just like, oh, this is, oh, this is garbage. This is garbage. This is trash. Yeah. yeah. And is this yeah. where she started sort of like getting very um, breathy and breathing hard and talking about how she was trash and he put, and he ruined her and, and she was, mm -hmm. she was bad yeah, now. Yeah. Yeah. They, yeah. Like she's yes. bad now. She's tainted. Yeah. Which I was like, how? Yeah, I mean, they're leaning in hard to this, like, sins of the father thing that, like, doesn't really matter. Because, yes, like, I don't really hold you accountable for 
the bulk of what happens here, Sam, but also like you're an adult and why don't you try and move on? And you were like a shiny, happy artist for the first 20 episodes of the season. So let's just get back to that. Right. Um, but we do get a peek at her mom for the first time here. Cause yeah. she calls her mom who's, she runs like, or works at like a crab shack back in wherever they were, the Eastern shore of Maryland, right? Uh, Maryland. Yeah. And, uh, and it's Joanna Cassidy, great actress. Um, and, and the mom's like, is, are you okay? And she's like, well, sort of. I should let you know that dad escaped from jail weeks ago and I never told you and someone died and also now he's dead. So I'm going to bring his remains home. And she's like, no, that's okay. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Which I thought was really weird, especially like her. I mean, it wasn't weird where she was just like, you can do what you want with this body, but I don't want, you know what I mean? Like, she was like, no, I want nothing to do with it. It was like she was talking about bringing the live man home, not the dead one. Yeah. The reaction was very strange. Yeah. And so I, I can empathize in a real world scenario that, yes. Okay. So the mom hated this father, but don't you love your daughter? Aren't you not estranged from your daughter? Don't you want to see if maybe your daughter is okay? Don't you want more details about what seems to have been going on for a, a period of time? But no. Yeah, it was sort of like, wouldn't you be like, you come home, right? Like, yes, you come home. I want to see you. I want to, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, you could it, say like, look, do whatever you want with your dad. I don't want to be a part of it, but but why don't you come home come for home. a yeah. week or something and yeah. let's figure things out and let me talk to you face to face. Yeah, and instead she's like, I want nothing to do with that man. Goodbye. And I'm like, that's not how you treat your kid. But okay. I don't even think she says goodbye. I think she just hangs up. Oh, yeah, probably. Which they only really do on TV. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Oh, also, uh, I don't know if you noticed, but even though this basically picks up seconds after we left off in season five, everyone has new hair. And yes, Samantha's hair is like nine inches longer. <laughs> <laughs> I did notice Peter's haircut is way better. Um, yeah, <laughs> I did notice. Yeah, Alyssa mentioned Peter's. So she was like, look at his hair. And I was like, I think it looks good. I, was, I thought his hair looked way better. It's like, he's not sporting that half-assed mullet anymore. It looks no. way better. No, way they better. cut out the party in the back. Yeah. And then and Taylor's hair, too, looked better, too. Taylor's been growing her hair out. And yeah. she will continue to, as I recall, for the rest of the season. Yes, I did notice that we had all new haircuts, which is really funny because, I mean, like, only, like, a matter of hours have ticked by. But okay. It's the time. Yeah, funny. It's funny how that works. It is the time work. Uh, and so there's one last scene with uh, Billy and Sam. Uh, it's one in the morning and Billy wakes up and Sam's not there with him. And he goes back to um, the living room where Sam is painting. Remember when Sam painted? Um, so she's painting again. Uh, and she's like, I'm okay. just couldn't sleep. So I thought I'd paint. And Billy goes back to bed. And then we see that what she's painting is supposed to be this really like dark, shocking thing. It's Basically, her in her candy striper slash checkout girl outfit, <laughs> like these flames all around her. So not only is she a bad actress, she's a bad artist. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I remember seeing this and being like, kind of curious about what kind of dark path they're going to take Sam down, and I don't think it really amounts to much. But I could be wrong. Well, no, didn't they? Wait, who did they do that to last season with the with the dark path? Oh, Peter. Well, I mean, they they pushed that one to you know, in incredulous amounts, but this one I don't think goes very far at all. And I guess they're still kind of um, pushing uh, Peter down the dark path, although yeah. it was a little yeah. bit it was a little bit hard to tell um, this time around. Right. We'll get to that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I thought they were really going to make Sam the new Kimberly, quite frankly. And I don't think they go anywhere near there. Yeah, I mean, you can't. And also, with she Brooklyn, can't pull it off. Actress, you can't. I mean, she <laughs> can't, like, she can't pull it. Like, I'm sorry, that actress can't pull it off. I mean, because what they had Kimberly doing, what they had, oh my God, now I just can't space the actress's name. Uh, Brooke Langton. Oh, uh, Marsha Cross. Marsha Cross. 
what they had Marsha Cross doing was so bananas that the only way you can pull that shit off is by being Marsha Cross. Like you, like yeah. you have to Brooklyn. be a truly gifted actor. Yeah, you have to. You know what I mean? And Brooklyn, no, no, she can't do it. She just can't do it. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I my memory is fuzzy about the specifics, but I remember thinking whatever they were uh, kind of hinting at with this beginning of the season, I don't think they really plow very deeply before kind of pivoting from. But we'll see. And okay. we have one last scene with Craig, too, before we say goodbye to all these guys, um, which is he's got a bunch of their wedding gifts sitting in his and Sid's apartment, or I guess... Is it just Sid's apartment? Did he officially move in? I can't remember. I, can't I think it was. Ju- I mean, th- their romance was so whirlwind. It was so I think quick. It was just her apartment. Yeah, I mean, you know, people come and go real quick. Amanda apparently gave notice to herself in two seconds. Also, I feel like there are a lot of empty apartments right now. But we'll get back to that. Okay. Um, yeah. So Craig gets all, uh, you know, pissed off, and and we basically bookend the episode with terrible David Charvet moments because then he starts. Opening, he opens the door, he starts kicking all the gifts out into the courtyard and throwing them into the pool. And just as Jennifer comes home, so she tries to calm him down. She actually finds a gift that was given to Craig from Sid herself. So now from the grave, he sees this inscription in a locket. It's a pocket watch. Gifted him, a pocket watch. <laughs> um, I was like, oh, Lord. Uh, so uh, then he cries in, in Jennifer's lap. And it's like, I'm glad that they are sort of giving, you know, like Sid her due post-mortem and not just completely forgetting about it. But um, I, I can only handle grieving Craig for so long in, in the guise of David Charvet. And, you know, what is this with Jennifer coming out of the Always showing to, up. Well, they, I mean, it started, su- you know, to sue it started at the wedding, at the finale in the last episode, where she says, may I be the first to kiss the groom? We were all like, well, I guess Craig and Jennifer are going to be our next couple. And that's basically what's going to happen. And that's where we're that's where we're headed with this. Yeah, because yeah, it's just sort of like it, 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 it doesn't feel natural. It feels very forced um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and it's very sure frustrating. Like, it's just not something that's going to kind of like like what they did with Kyle and Amanda, which I really appreciated. And we had this really nice slow burn. Now they're just knocking they're, us over the head with this. Took the yeah. time. Yeah. yeah. And and it really did make me wonder if the, if those two were ever actually going to get together or if there would be like they would like go off on relationships with other people and kind of pine for each other from afar. Um, you know, like they, they set that up so, so well. And this one, they're just like banging us over the head that these are going to be the next yeah. couple. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. So anyway, yay that. Um, so I think maybe we do a quick detour to Cleveland. And then maybe we could talk more about Michael with some Jennifer and Megan thrown in. Okay. Um, so we see this man who we've never met before, except we've seen him before. Because the actor's name is Lyndon Ashby. And in season two, he was on the show as Joe's ex-husband that she had run away from. That's where I knew him. <laughs> or maybe it might have actually, I lied. I think it might have been season one. That's um, where I knew him But from. that's where you knew him from. This very him? show. <laughs> Well, here he is. He's playing a completely different character that we don't know anything about yet. But we meet him at Kimberly's grave in Cleveland, which is where she's from and where her mom still lives. Um, And we see him, you know, like talking to her grave. And it says Kimberly Shaw, 1967 to 1997. And I really didn't think that she was only 30 years old by the time she died. But there we go. I guess we're supposed to believe she was. Um, so we're wondering who is this guy? We will get some more information about him very soon. But before that, um, I just want to go back to the hospital because we have, um, Jennifer is talking to Michael, whose hands are all bandaged bandaged from being thrown through the plate glass window. Um, and Jennifer's mostly talking about getting back with Megan and... And all I'm thinking is, I can't believe we already had Michael in the hospital. We don't have Jennifer telling him about Sid. We don't have Michael finding out about Sid. We don't have Michael saying anything about Sid. We don't even have Michael in the hospital just happening to see, like, 
Billy or someone to be like, hey, what's going on? So we can get a moment of Michael saying anything about her. About his ex-wife and his ex-sister-in-law. Yeah, nothing. Yeah, (laughs) ex-wife, ex-sister-in-law, frequent co-conspirator, like nothing. Such such a, a lost opportunity. A flaw, if you will. But anyway, so Jennifer is like running some odd game between Megan and Michael that I don't really understand. And maybe you got more out of their scene. I think Megan's only in one scene um, than I did. You know, Jennifer is talking to Michael about like, you can work it out with Megan. And she's telling Megan about how Megan is this really moral person who takes the high road while Jennifer just wants to sink her claws in her rich husband. Um, How Megan believes in things like love and trust and that she really wants Megan to be happy without Michael. So I don't really know what's going on there. Um, But did I miss anything in kind of summarizing that? Well, I kind of feel like that scene was really weird. And it was like, so she is basically, she has told Michael that she is going to work. They're they're teaming up, the brother and sister teaming up so that Megan gets back together with Michael. and so Jennifer is going to try and convince Megan that Michael is the one for her. And so I guess that sort of like bit between them was the start of her trying to throw her, throw the two of them back together. Um, it just was weird and awkward and poorly done. I mean, again, like we're, I got to go back to the writing in this episode. I just think it was terrible. Yeah, I mean, I agree. So you don't get the impression that Jennifer is trying to actually keep Megan and Michael apart. You just think the writing was shitty. I just think the writing was shitty. I did not get that sense at all. Like, I thought that she was, like, trying to keep them together. And then, and I just think that the writing was just really bad. Okay. I'm easily convinced of that. Um, Okay, so... We are at the scene where Matt is talking to Michael in the hospital about this position in San Francisco um, when Lyndon Ashby, that guy we saw in Cleveland, shows up. He introduces himself to Michael. He is Brett Cooper, and he is the new doctor at the hospital. Some, like, um, rando new doctor, but there you go. That Michael didn't even know about as chief of staff. Of course. But, go ahead. Which, actually, like, even if Michael was just living his day-to-day life, I could see him not knowing about that either, even as chief of staff. Um, But he seems to be, like, a slick guy with lots of connections. He tells Michael that he can hook him up with a hand technician. Um, And then he goes, but you know what I need? An apartment. (laughs) And that's where I'm like, well, I feel like everyone died or vacated last week. So take your pick at Melrose Place, right? Um, but, But that's when Michael actually tells Matt, oh, surprise, surprise, Matt, you got the job. So Brett can move right into your place. Um, and Matt and Michael have a nice goodbye and we have to get ready for, uh, Brett to move in to Melrose place. Apparently that was Matt's last job as the manager. Yeah. Again, we'll find out that he, he gave his notice very quickly too. Yes. Um, I think now's a good time to go to Carmel, which is where Peter and Taylor still are. Yes, they're still there. And he did not kill Taylor. This whole thing was weird too. This is the most daytime feeling. This is the most not landing feeling of all of the threads we've got going on, I think, to me. Yeah, it was, it was, it, it, I felt like I had whiplash. I felt like, oh, Peter, if you were going to do that, why didn't you just push her off the damn roof? Um, yeah. Okay, yeah. So when we saw these two last, um, Peter was going to throw Taylor off the roof of some, I don't know where they were, like a, it was some sort of churchy abbey thing. Um, in Carmel, and and he um, and and she stops him by saying, "Oh, Peter, I'm pregnant." So okay. Um, so the next time we see them is like he is. Am I right with this? He shows up and he presents an engagement ring to her. Yeah, he had been, apparently been out walking for a really long time, and she was starting to get worried. And the first thing she says when he comes back is, I just want you to know that I really am pregnant. It wasn't a lie. And he just kind of goes along with it. He seems okay with it. And that's when he says, 
where I was was I was getting a ring. Will you marry me? Yes. And then guess what happens? Suddenly they're getting married and Carmel, like so quickly. And she's got the white dress and everything else. And they've got people in the church. I mean, <laughs> yeah, lots of people. I would have thought if you're getting married, not at Melrose Place, then you're just going to do a quickie justice of the peace thing. But like kind of like Jake and Allison did when they were on the road. But, oh, um, but I skipped a scene where she but dumped... I was going to say. Oh, yeah. Yes, I'm sorry. I skipped a scene, a scene. Yeah. 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 Go ahead. So she's like trying to seduce Peter when they're up in their room and he's busy watching golf. He's like not interested at all. Um, and and Taylor ultimately gets wine on his shirt. So she's like, I'm sorry, I'll get you a new one. She goes to his suitcase and she sees that one of his other shirts has blood on it. So he comes over to her and, and he's like, I didn't want you to see this, but wanted to tell you first. And he downplays this fight that he got into with Michael. He doesn't tell her the full story. He says that, like, I think he says, like, I hit him and he had a bloody nose or something like that. And that the, that's how the blood got on the shirt. Uh, and that he attributes it to yet another episode of his rage epilepsy that she was helping him believe he had. And that's when we get to the wedding. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, and so they go through this whole, you know, they go through this the speak now or forever forever hold your peace thing, and then again with the In bad front directing. Of all these crazy people. Yeah, with the bad directing, the shot pans out to like a room full of people nobody knows, and I'm like, did they really like they just showed up at the church and interrupted the services, and they were like, hey, marry us. Um, but, you know, but then Peter yeah. objects to his own wedding. Yeah, he goes, yeah, I do. And he basically, like, lays into her and he says that he's been on to everything all along and how dare you. And this is the scene that I really liked because it's a good Lisa Rinna scene because she's, like, completely gobsmacked and devastated by it and she's sobbing and, like, falls down to the floor just crying and pleading. Um, that, to me, was, like, nice juicy moment in this storyline that really now doesn't even make much sense right um is peter good is peter bad do we side with peter or do we still hate peter i don't know but he storms off from his own wedding then and my favorite part is he like immediately starts taking off his jacket like he's clark kent and he has to become <laughs> superman the second he's gonna leave the church door yeah, right? that is like, true. Oh, so what, like, what realistically happened? He, like, got into a car and drove back down to L.A., right? I don't I think guess. he needed to, like, immediately take off his jacket before he even left the nave. Like, I don't know. <laughs> he I, guess it he, I guess purpose. it would illustrate he was hot under the he collar. I don't know. That, I don't, he was done. He was that's, done. How, that's how done he was. Yes. Oh, God. So, um, yeah. So we're left wondering, well, now what's happening? And also, is Taylor really pregnant? Um, and we get one more scene with Michael at the end of the episode in the hospital. Uh, it's at night, and a shadow comes over him in the bed, and it's Peter! And, and you know, he kind of grabs Michael by the throat, but doesn't really strangle him, and, and says that he vows to destroy him. Mm. It's like, I'd stay awake if I were you, Michael. So now Michael has to fear Peter. Yes. Michael, Michael's got a lot going on right now. Yeah. Really gotten him, himself into a jam. Yeah, he's in a pickle. Yeah. I was almost going to say in a pickle, but I didn't. Oh, see? I'm, I'm a little hungry, so I really want a pickle. But... <laughs> Can I just tell you, we made toasted raviolis for dinner, and they were delicious. Ooh, that does sound really good. Yeah, no, I had a teeny tiny chicken thigh and steamed broccoli. That was my mm, exciting dinner. Chicken thighs tomorrow. Oh, look at you! Look at you guys all planned out like that. We do. We actually plan it out. And if you guys will follow us over to Hollywood Boulevard, I'm going to talk a little bit more about some of our eating and watching routines. But you gotta, you gotta listen to both of these to get the full scoop. Okay. So we're going to finish this up because I think we've only got Amanda and um, Kyle and Kyle at this point, right? Yep. 
I mean, I guess what's to say, like, they wake up in bed together, and they've done the deed, um, and I guess they're in, yeah, in every room. I mean, I was kind of like, oh, 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 that's, like, one of my pet peeves, and it's actually a lot of romance writers' pet peeves, is that, you know, when you have sex that many times, that's a UTI waiting to happen. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it from a practical perspective, that's a lot. Yeah, I mean, it was, like, a number, like, five times in one night. And I was, like, I guess, but, ooh, ooh. Have some cranberry juice. Yeah. I wonder if we've only seen her drink OJ, I think. Mm. Mm. And wine. Well, yes, and wine. Um, so, I guess then, okay, so, we go, we... Uh, so... We find okay. out what Amanda's plan B was when she was yes. going to, like, pick up and leave. Yes. So she... this is where we have another retcon for Amanda. I think it's our second. It could be our third. It won't be our last. <laughs> At this point. Uh, who knows? So, so Amanda was originally born and raised and basically did her whole career in L.A. And then she lived in Miami and that's where she married Jack Parisi and then flew to LA where she hid in plain sight. So now it turns out she actually started her career doing advertising in New York and she was going to go back to the guy who like was her first boss back when she was when it was her first job. She was going to take a really high ranking position at his PR firm. And now she has decided, because of Kyle, she's going to stay. So she's not leaving L.A. and she's not going to take her this job in New York. But she wants to go to New York to tell him she quits in person because she feels she owes him that much. Right. Okay, fine. Um, in, in between that, there is another exchange between annoying Jennifer and Kyle at the upstairs where... Uh, Jennifer tells Kyle about Sid. We get another moment where Kyle eulogizes her and and says, you know, like all she ever wanted was some happiness, and yeah, she feels she bad. And I like that. that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and and Jennifer pries about Amanda, and and he's finally kind of hits them. He's like, all right, that's enough. And I wrote down, Jennifer should be fired because you don't talk to your boss like that. But by God. Uh, in New York, we see Amanda with Eric, um, and he won't even let her, I mean, he shows her the really nice office that she's going to have all to herself, and she doesn't, he doesn't even give her time to, like, take a breath to tell him that she resigns, and she's finally able to turn him down. <laughs> yeah, that's and, where, but, but when, on his, like, unending, like, soliloquy there monologue that just kept going and going and going we we got a lot of backstory we, we do get more you're right we got that's where that's where together. like oh here's the red con. yes yeah yeah we did get the backstory um so that was helpful but it was like he i was like he's a blowhard why doesn't he shut up she can't get a word in edgewise yeah. yeah and it's like she was his assistant i guess and that was how she started and there's like photos of the two of them that he has framed and put up in her office that have to be she at looks least exactly the same. Of course, the same hair and everything. <laughs> they didn't even try and like get like an old headshot, like from her. Right. I mean, days, yeah, you could you have know? just gone to TJ Hooker days. Yeah. <laughs> they could have photoshopped that in. These are all in the spelling vault. How hard could that have been? But, yeah. she, but so so eventually she turns him down and he like starts pushing and and he gives her a hard time he's like is this just because of a man and and he's like it's not really wise to to make a decision based on that and she's like well my mind's made up goodbye and then after um she leaves we see just how pissed he is he takes a plant and he chucks it at the photo um so so eric seems a bit unhinged yeah, so, okay, so here's the thing. Are they setting this up where this, like, crazy guy is going to go to L.A. and, like, try and, like, I don't know, make his move on Amanda? Or is this, like, all we're going to see of this? And this is where the storyline lies. Oh, no, there's more. There's more. There will be more. Okay, because I was kind of, like, looking at this going, they might let this die because that's just what Melrose Place does. 
Yeah, it could be just a crazy moment that they gave to someone, but no, he is a he's a recurring player. He'll and he will come to LA, and there will be more where that comes from. You know, strangely, he looks very like he has a very similar look as to um, the Kimberly Shaw question mark guy, Doctor. Oh, I can see that. Yeah, you know, they really all look very similar right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm kind of like thinking to myself, "Ooh, I'm gonna have a hard time." keeping track of who's who. <laughs> well, I can say that Brett is will always have like the most copper looking hair. Like it looks like a penny. That's kind of the color. If that okay. will help you distinguish them at all. Okay, that's um but but yeah. Because for a minute I thought like one was one like I thought one was the other. It went anyway, I was like, wait, was he the one at the grave? Like I was like, what? I got a little bit confused there for a minute, but, um, but yeah, they do look a little Understood. I wish they had gone a little bit different in the, in the cast. Yeah, these are like well-groomed, handsome, nondescript. Yes, very nondescript, yeah. Um, but Jeffrey Mordling, Nordling, who plays Eric, I will say is a very, very talented actor, so I'm happy that, that he gets a stint here. He has later gone on to such shows as Once and Again and Big Little Lies. In Big Little Lies, he's Laura Dern's husband, and Alyssa also just whisper shouted the Mighty Ducks. So also in the Mighty Ducks, he was Laura Dern's husband. Yes. Did you watch Big Little Lies? Oh yeah, I loved it. Did you see the second season? Yeah. Didn't so do you know the big the scene? Season, but but did love it. Did what? you see the big scene when she goes, "I will not not be rich"? Yes. Well, that's to him. Yeah, yeah, I know, but I just, I, I just was like. Did not look like that guy at all. Well, like like day and night. Actually, he looks better older. I hate that about men. So many men <laughs> just look better older. Like I think like George Clooney looks better older. Um, I just like caught one of the the first or second episodes of Roseanne, and Clooney was on it, and I was like, he was not a very good looking man when he was young. Like he aged really well. I think Brad Pitt's another one aged really really well. He looks better. I mean, he was always good looking, but he looks better older. And here's another example. I think this guy looks better older. He's a, oh, yeah, I think so, too. I think he looks great now. You know who looks great uh, better now than ever as well? Who? Hugh Grant. I have not seen him in a while, so interesting. You know who doesn't? I just saw him in The Undoing. Okay. Do you know who I doesn't know. look better now? Oh, I want to fill in the blank with so many names, but, but tell me. Jack Wagner. Yeah. But we talked about that last week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or I'm sorry, two weeks ago. Um, but yeah. Um, so um, so there's a little bit more, and I, I don't want to let it dangle. Um, we find Jennifer yet again bugging Kyle about Amanda at the upstairs, and that's when Amanda returns. Um, and... Takes her claim. Yeah. And um, and that's pretty much it. And while they're all there, Taylor comes upstairs. Taylor has returned to town. Um, she's complaining because I don't know if it's Jennifer or one of the other upstairs employees has taken some of the wine from Kyle's restaurant downstairs. And Kyle's like, all right. And she's like all in a tizzy. And Kyle's like, all right, I'll make sure they don't do it again. Um, and that's when Taylor says that she is back. She's not with Peter. Shut up, it's none of your business. And she has taken over Jake's now empty apartment. Right. Um, and I think she's also the one who tells Amanda and the whole group that Matt has also left Yes, yeah, she does. And will be the building manager as a result. Yeah. Um, so good that Taylor and Amanda really still hate each other. So, okay, so here's my question with Amanda. Does that mean now she is just going to be full-time bar owner? No. Okay. She, she continues her other career path. Okay. Just wondering. Yeah. They make it, they, they keep talking up the upstairs. I mean, she says that's part of how she backs out of the job at uh, Eric's agency, too. She's like, well, I went ahead and invested in this bar. Um, it really makes it sound like she's going to do what Jake did and just be at upstairs all the time, but she is not. No. And, and I that's think that was problem. it, right? Are we done? We're done. We have kicked off season six. Oh, boy. So I don't know. 
I am curious to, to see how into it you're going to be as it moves forward. And I'm, I'm wondering how much I remember because it feels limited. I mean, as of right now, like the one thing that I thought when I turned the TV off at the closing credits was at least it's not season four. Right. Um, About you specifically as well. So, so, so that like, I'm hoping that I still continue to have that. Well, at least it's not season four. Like I would rather have these kind of like, well, I guess it's okay, storylines, and, like, oh, it's a little, like, daytime soapy, and it's not, like, what Melrose was, but, it like, it can't be season four where I just hated every single storyline. I kind of think that's where you're going to be for the Shit. rest of the season. That's two seasons. No, 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 no. But where you're like, well, at least it's not season four, I can handle oh. Oh, that's the the former of what you said. Oh, okay, okay. But you meant I thought you meant I was gonna be in the. No, it doesn't. I I really don't think it gets bonkers again. I think it just feels trite. Okay. Oh boy, because that's sixty six more episodes, right? Just about. Yeah. All right. We're gonna keep soldiering through, guys. That's what we do. We're completists. Yes, and we will complete this. All right, we're going to go Hollywood Boulevard. Um, we're time warping to the future, which is yeah. actually the present. We're, we're talking movies. We've got a quickie TV thing I want to talk about. Um, and Doug's going to fill us in on his dinner plans. That's right. Stay hungry. Get that? See what I did? I did. To, uh, to that note, happy Passover and happy Easter to our listeners. Um, and we'll see you next week. Okay. First place on Hollywood Boulevard.